a factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the Straight From The Desk podcast, a podcast where I discuss but three things. Two are topical, while the last can be considered as flexible. So sit back and enjoy. If you like what you hear, click on that donation link, which can be found within the show notes. Any donation will be appreciated. So let's get started. How are you doing today? Before I begin, in the last episode of this show, I meant to say manifesto, not manifest, in regards to the Tennessee child murdering mass shooter. I used to deal with ship and aircraft manifests a lot back before I retired, so I guess the word manifest is hardwired into my brain. First up, an arrest has been made in regards to the leak of the top-secret Pentagon documents. One Jack Teixeira, age 21, and a member of the Massachusetts Air National Guard was arrested last week under the Espionage Act. Mr. Teixeira was some sort of IT specialist for a National Guard intelligence unit stationed at Otis Air Force Base, which is located just outside Cape Cod. It is unclear if he was a full-time National Guard or a so-called weekend warrior. I myself deployed to Otis Air Force Base on numerous occasions while in the military. I had a favorable experience with the Massachusetts National Guard members I interacted with. Airman Teixeira was tracked down and doxxed by journalists from the Washington Post, the New York Times, and an outfit called Bellingcat. Keep note of Bellingcat. I'll get back to that organization in a moment. So, I guess this dream team that tracked down this bad guy proves what many have long suspected. That the news media of the United States is the government, and the government is the media. Bellingcat, which has murky funding sources, you know, the kind of murk which points to intelligence agencies, and seems to conveniently pop up just when a narrative is in need of proving, like the shooting down of Flight MH17 over occupied Ukraine back in 2014, for example. Call me a conspiracy theorist, but there are many things that don't add up about this case. Why would a low-level IT specialist, who was not even a non-commissioned officer, and who merely worked within an intelligence squadron have access to this kind of information. He wasn't an intelligence specialist of any sort, so why was he granted a top-secret security clearance? Even with such a clearance, how was he able to access such classified material? Another thing, almost as soon as Airman Teixeira was arrested, a smear campaign was launched by the news media, with claims of the young man being a racist and a gun nut, amongst other slanders, which are reserved for Caucasian men marked for cancellation these days. These accusations are based on a video supposedly made by the airman at a gun range, a video no one outside the news media seems to have seen, at least to my knowledge. If this video does in fact exist, and was that easy to find, an investigator performing the required initial or periodic background investigation, especially for those holding a top-secret clearance, would have surely come upon it and such a video would be grounds to revoke the airman's clearance. A top-secret clearance is hard to obtain and even harder to maintain. I'm speaking from experience here. I've witnessed fellow service members losing their clearances for much less than what this video purports to show. I'm not an intelligence expert by any means, but this whole thing just doesn't sit right with me. It's as if the whole thing is some kind of op to cover up something else that's probably even bigger. 
That's just my uneducated opinion. Hopefully the answers for my questions will be forthcoming soon. Concerning things revealed by the leaks, one particular item caught my attention. And that was the fact that there are military special operations forces from numerous countries deployed in Ukraine. Now that was long suspected by many, but in episode 151 of my other show, the OFNT podcast, shameless plug here, which was released back in early February, I highlighted the case of an active duty U.S. Navy SEAL named Daniel Swift, who was killed in action that month in the Donbass area during combat. What was strange about Mr. Swift's case, at least to me, is that he was reported AWOL, that stands for absent without leave, from his SEAL team and branded a deserter. I stated in that episode that highly trained elite warriors like Mr. Swift was, held a strong allegiance to his team members and most likely would not go AWOL. I also pointed out my belief that Mr. Swift was what we called in the military sheep-dipped. If there was an area where this country's military wasn't supposed to be fighting, but they wanted the military to be there regardless, the military members were, on paper, discharged from their branch of service and were employed as contractors to the three-letter organization-funded entity or even the host government of the country they were in. In reality, the service member was still in his branch of the military with seniority and rank, still held when the contract was finished. If I were a betting man, I'd wager that Daniel Swift was sheep-dipped and was buried with full military honors upon the repatriation of his remains. I'd also bet that the man's beneficiaries received a payment from his military-issued life insurance. Some intrepid journalists would be able to confirm this quite easily, you would think. Well, that's if we had a properly functioning press corps that wasn't what you call read in. Next, with many states passing laws that would eventually outlaw gasoline-engined vehicles, and with the federal government pushing to do the same, have you ever wondered why the headlong rush towards electric vehicles has taken place? Now, the younger me would say that besides being better for the environment, it would also be good for the economy. Well, the me of today is just a tad more pessimistic than the young me, just a tad bit. While the so-called climate crisis is the excuse used for this headlong rush to electric, and I don't know if the crisis is real, I do know that the elites of the world see an opportunity with it, carbon taxes being a big one. An electric-powered vehicle will be run by software. That onboard software can track your location and your vehicle speed. It can create a database of places you've traveled to monitor and create a database of your phone calls, and the biggest feature... It can hand over control of your vehicle to government authorities. The Biden administration passed a law late last year or early this year, I can't recall which, that mandates a kill switch for all future electric vehicles. That's right, the authorities can just shut off your car with a simple click of a mouse. I imagine the conversation would go something like this. Hey, Mr. Smith, you've exceeded your maximum allowed mileage for this quarter. I'm afraid we'll have to render your vehicle inoperable till next quarter. Now you combine this with a central bank-issued digital currency and presto, you're under the government's thumb. So there may or may not be a climate crisis, but the elites in power will use this to obtain more wealth and complete control over us peasants. I predict that in the future, we will witness a return to serfdom. Finally, it seems to me that the government, big tech, Wall Street, corporations, and all forms of media are working hand-in-hand hand currently to kick off and implement the Great Reset, which was predicted and requested by the infamous World Economic Forum. I mean, how else can you explain the Biden administration's actions? 
it's as if they are intentionally destroying this country. Think of the hasty and disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan, the endless printing of money which is causing the high inflation numbers, the rush to the Green New Deal and the supposed clean energy systems of net zero without waiting for the technology to be able to provide the energy needed now. Add to that the sowing of Maoist class warfare within every segment of society with critical race theory, which is reminiscent of the Great Leap Forward. Many know and can see this happening. The problem is if you publicly oppose this and you try to do so on a platform, be it television, radio, or social media, you are canceled one way or another. It seemed to me podcasting is the only medium where one can speak out against the madness and not be immediately stifled. We can thank Mr. Adam Curry and his associates for that. Mr. Curry, also known as the Podfather, realized after the deplatforming of Alex Jones and how swift it was accomplished that something had to be done. He created the Podcasting 2.0 standard, which added new features to the medium. The Podcast Index was also created. Before the Podcast Index, most podcast listening apps used Apple Corporation's Index or a combination of their own and Apple's Index. That's why it was so easy to platform Mr. Jones and others. The Podcast Index does not and will not delete any podcast from its list. As long as the podcast has a legitimate RSS feed, it stays in the index. As I've stated before, the powers that be can go after the show's hosting service, but all that would do is create opportunities for overseas companies to host these shows. Now, I guess they could cut off access to the internet to targeted podcasts, but MP3 files are portable and can be sent and distributed easily using a variety of methods. I believe podcasts are the genie that can't be put back into the bottle at this point. Well, that'll do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. You can send comments, suggestions, or complaints to sftdpod23 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and supporting the show. There aren't many of you out there, but I'll keep putting out episodes for as long as I can. So take care, and I'll see you next time. Bye.